Greetings, and welcome to Anetta Drift, the story of a cursed knight bound by honor to defend her kingdom from the ancient evil that threatens it. My name is Vigil, and I'll be your guide to the unforgiving realm of Valerius as the Knight Aveline fights to forge a new legend. Remember, friends, that to survive this perilous journey, you must move with purpose, guard your soul, and always beware the darkness. So, that thing can talk? Bell asked. Averting his gaze, the healer rummaged through the kitchen in search of dinner, as the spark of a fire caught and spread in the hearth. Despite the roll of fresh bandages waiting in her hand, Fowlon sat motionless, staring at the creature. He does that, Aveline said. She set the pair of shovels against the wall beside her sword and armor. I'm not a thing, the fox added. The loud snap of a crackling log punctuated his correction. For a time, the four were silent in each other's company. Wisps of smoke and waves of warmth spread throughout the room. Bell collected water, vegetables, and spices for a stew and set the pot to boiling. Fowlon removed her bloodied bandages to rewrap her torso. Aveline folded her arms and, sitting behind Celine's desk, stared at nothing in particular. The fox watched the night, cold eyes focused on her hands. Outside in the darkness, a winter storm had arrived that now peppered the window panes with windborne ice. Well, what is it you have to tell me? This is our third meeting? Aveline asked her voice weary. Her eyes remained fixed on some indeterminate point among the floorboards. Yes, the third of which you are aware, the fox muttered. He chuckled to himself, but seeing none in the room shared his mirth, stopped to clear his throat. <clears throat> uh, yes. I've been watching you for some time. Despite my protest to the contrary, I serve on behalf of Roland, the fox disclosed. What do you know of Roland? Why should I trust you? Aveline uncrossed her arms and sat forward, peering at the white fox. Surprised, the creature took a deep breath. He warned me of your stubborn skepticism. Told me to remind you, hope is born from sorrow. The fox glared at the young woman, waiting to see the word's effect. Eyes wide with hunger for answers, Aveline slammed her hands on the wooden table. Is he alright? What has become of him? Where is he? The knight demanded, rapidly launching one question after the other. <sighs> calm, calm. Roland is safe, but you are in danger. 
even more after your duel with that shadow. There is much you must learn, so much left to be done, the fox explained, lifting a paw to point at the knight. His voice was urgent, distracted. My own safety means nothing, Aveline said. Raising her sigil, she added, not anymore. And what of the people of Stonefall? What of your friends? The fox countered. At this, the knight was silent. It may be your intention to flee, to fight, maybe even to die, but you will not go defenseless and ignorant into the darkness that awaits. I will not allow it, not while countless innocents fall prey to the scourge of Ixiel. Aveline glanced around the room, first to Falon and then to Belle. Each of her young companions nodded in affirmation. The knight returned her gaze to the fox. Tell me what you know, Aveline grumbled. You have lingered among the abyss, felt the hunger of the void for souls, the energy that animates all living things. You are made immortal by the place beyond this plane. As the creature spoke, the knight's eyes drifted toward the back of her left hand and the opaque, swirling mark of the void. The fox continued, the sigil you bear is from a time before the first men or women, when the ground still shook beneath the feet of ancients, before the calamity that bound them deep within the earth. There are still places, though, and people, where the fabric of this world is thin, where the veil parts and the void bleeds forth. You are now one of those people. The sigil was made to craft the energies of the abyss, to sculpt shadow to one's will, to allow the passage of decades in the span of days. In the square, when the Black Knight threatened your friends, the world went dark and you traversed the void beyond the veil, on instinct, as would any demon. Aveline nodded without a word. To drink from the abyss can be empowering, intoxicating, dangerous. And though the sigil was lost to age, Tyrannus, king among the Voidborn, reforged the sign to sustain those whose bodies it possesses, so that even beyond the veil, the demon may wield the energies of the Void. Exil bears one in service of his schemes. His puppet, the good King Orleon, bore one, before bequeathing it to you. Vivid and overwhelming, the memory of Orleans' death replayed in the knight's mind. Her palms began to sweat as the sensation of her sword's sickening thrust into the king's flesh returned. You will not speak ill of the dead, Aveline warned. The fox tilted his head. I can teach you to control that power, to brandish it against those who threaten the light and protect those who would be consumed by dark. I can help you control that which, in time, may threaten to consume you." With a gasp of astonishment, Bell stopped stirring the stew and spoke up. His face was an ashen mask of dismay. If I understand you correctly, you're saying, 
Aveline may herself one day become a demon? Yes, the fox admitted. But that is only without guidance, without purpose, and without will. Icy fingers of fear crept up Aveline's spine. She could barely believe what she was hearing, but she had witnessed too much to object. That she, too, may one day become one of them. The knight shuddered. What truly awaits me in the West? Aveline asked. Guidance and purpose. The will is yours to find, knight. Her expression one of desolate ruin, Aveline looked away. A knight is nothing without an army at her back. I promise the souls that sustain me a purpose, but since Monticulus, I have brought only death and heartache to those who cross my path. Perhaps it better I disappear and let the sigil consume me. You might not be a knight, but you are a jerk. Fallon growled as she leapt from the edge of her bed. Fallon! Bell raised a hand to interrupt, but Fallon cut him off. I've had enough of this garbage, Fallon snarled. She sprang across the room and seized the knight's sword. She ripped the blade from the wall, strode to her mother's desk, and slammed the weapon onto the table in front of Aveline. Bell gasped, the fox grinned, and Aveline sat silent and indifferent. The young guardian's eyes burned with naked rage. You just happened to come by one of the most famous weapons in the world? The sigil chose you on its own? Did the three of us just appear, waiting to follow your lead? No. No. And no. You've got these things because people trust you. People need you. It doesn't matter what you were before only matters what you are now, what you choose to be. Think your friends would want you wasting the life they bought with their souls? I doubt it. I wouldn't. My mother worshipped you, talked endlessly of your drive and courage. You say you promised your army a purpose. Well, the heart is a forge, Orin said. I suggest you find your fire. Exasperated by Aveline's silence, the girl would not budge. The knight turned her eyes on the sword before her. Despite its age, Durandal's glimmering edges were sharp silver lines. The flat of the blade marked at intervals by scars born of battle. The day the sword arrived in camp, two months after the start of her mission to destroy Ixiel, the knight had been filled with elation and despair. Roland would not have parted with the beautiful weapon without cause. Where could her father have gone that he did not need it? And why did he abandon her? Slowly, Aveline reached the hand out to caress the indomitable blade and thought of the black void shattering around her. Belle interrupted with a stilted laugh. Eh... <laughs> uh... I think that may have been the most words I've ever heard you say at once, Fallon. Eyes shimmering with firelight, the girl quieted Belle with a scowl before returning her gaze to Aveline. Answer me, Blue Knight, or I swear, sigil or no, I will end you. 
Fallon! Bell cried. Abilene raised a hand for peace. She's right. She's right. The knight said, green eyes narrowed in anguish. The simple truth is that at Monticulus, I failed in every way possible. My army cast into the void. The king dead by my own hand. My mission to kill Ixiel, a disastrous folly. Since then, I have wavered between resolve and defeat. Between the desire to push forward, to atone, and the desire to stop fighting and relinquish hope. Roland would be ashamed. My parents would be ashamed. I cannot promise I am the hero Celine saw in me, or the knight you think I am. But so long as I can wield this weapon, I will. Her face softening, Fallon smiled as she stood straight and nodded. That's all anyone can ask. And hey, if we kill some demons along the way, we won't have died in vain. <laughs> so long as I'm not one of them, Aveline chuckled as she raised her eyes to match those of the young guardian. You are with me? Am I breathing? Fowlon remarked. Face blushing, the girl turned her attention on Belle. What about you? Up for an adventure? Pleased by his companion's reconciliation, a broad smile lit up Belle's face. But at Fallon's attention, the healer grew pensive. Stirring the stew, Belle stared into the fire with a distracted air. After a long moment's silence, he spoke. I admit, a lot of this conversation is beyond me. Demons and chivalry and the void. I mean, there's a giant talking fox sitting right here, and everyone seems just fine with that. <sighs> Stonefall is my home, but perhaps I have cowered here too long. I have little doubt you two could alter the dark course of things. And I can't stand by while the world slips into the shadows, especially knowing that you're out there traipsing around. I will join you, if you'll have me, Bell said, his voice low and uncertain. He raised his ladle and pointed at Fowlon. Besides, only one of you is immortal. Your injuries have barely had time to heal, and knowing you, there will be countless more before long. Fowlon raised an eyebrow. But Bell, the people here need you more than ever. And after what happened to Nora, the Guardian trailed off. That's enough, Bell snapped. The biting edge of the words was so unexpected that Fowlon's mouth dropped in shock. The young healer crossed his arms and exhaled a deep gulp of breath. When he looked at Fowlon, the forced smile on his lips could not hide the fury in his eyes. I just... I'm, I'm sorry. There are things I must set right with my sister. And if this journey affords me a chance to find her, I need to take it. Aveline glanced from Fowlon to Belle. Fowlon looked away, her cheeks flushed with embarrassment. 
It seems we are committed, the knight said to the ethereal fox. And it seems you've found an army, knight. Small as it is. The fox grinned. He turned his body, lithe and precise despite his enormity, and trotted the few steps toward the door. His long, fluffy tail seemed to float on the air behind him, barely missing Belle's face as he passed. Make your preparations. In two days, we depart at dawn for the west, to find Roland and the key to stopping Ixiel. Two days passed. As Fowlon poured over the weapons and equipment stored throughout her family's home, Aveline sat in Selene's creaking desk chair and stared at the etched armor plates resting on the table before her. The metal shone with only a reflection of its former brilliance, the filigree that adorned its edges dull and worn from use. The leather straps that bound the armor to her were brittle and fraying. Deep wounds gave testament to past battles won and lost. For more than an hour, the knight had contemplated leaving these remnants of her identity behind. These chunks of crafted steel that had in many ways defined her. To her, it was hardly two years since the ceremony that elevated her from an apprentice to a knight. Two years since Roland, great knight and her father, had granted her the title and the responsibility. Aveline thought of the final test in Roland's study and the twisted nightmare premonition before Monticulus, but shook her head to dispel the memory. Beside the chest plate and gauntlets, Celine's journal rested on the tabletop. Its spine creased, its pages filled with notes and fragments of a brave life. The black notebook rested atop a small pile of maps and documents Belle asked her to collect. A stack of paper-wrapped bread and warm clothing sat near the documents. Among these items, a blank notebook, pens, and an ink pot waited to be packed. The first shafts of morning light to warm the house's windows were accompanied by a gentle knock on the door. Fallon strode to the portal and opened it. Outside, Belle was adorned in a thick coat and boots the color of old moss. Long strands of his golden hair escaped from beneath a fur-lined hood and danced on the breeze amid a cloud of his breath. On his back, a heavy pack was filled near to bursting with all manner of supplies, including the black wood bow Aveline had given him. Well, look at you, Fowlon teased. Gawking at his luggage, the guardian whistled. What? What's the matter? What's funny? Bell asked, face worried. Fowlon shook her head in a rueful show. Little Bell, off to war and prepared to die. So young, so tragic, the girl mocked. Bell rolled his eyes, then pushed past Fowlon and into the warmth of the house. Snickering, the guardian shut the door and set about collecting her things. One by one, the guardian sheathed and wrapped a myriad of weapons and rations. From a cabinet, she collected several pieces of equipment, including a spool of her enchanted silver wire. In a moment, she was adorned in a green cloak and securing her mother's spear for travel. On her arm rested a wolf's head shield. 
You ready? Bell asked Aveline. With each thud of his heavy boots, a small chunk of snow fell to the wooden floorboards. What about your armor? I don't need it, Aveline said flatly, and held up her sigil as evidence. The intricate black mark on the back of her hand was nearly obscured by the long sleeves of her heavy gray coat, another of Celine's donations. You can't leave it behind. What's a knight without her armor? Bell asked, his voice full of surprise. Aveline looked at the healer and shook her head. It's too heavy, the knight said, her own voice quiet. To this somber reply, Bell said nothing. Embarrassed, he stepped away and pushed his hands toward the fire. Before he could remove his mittens, Fowlon approached and overturned a pot of water on the flames. The hearth was doused beneath a hiss of steam. Stunned, Bell glared in disbelief at his short companion, who for her part only smiled. Aveline stood to fill her pack, each item finding a home until Celine's journal was all that was left. Brushing its cover with her fingertips, Aveline glanced up at Fowlon, grinned, and then stuffed it inside. The knight lifted her canvas-wrapped sword from where it was leaning on the desk beside her, and threaded it through a pair of leather straps sewn into her pack. Finally, Aveline donned her blue cloak, fastened it at the shoulder, and then hoisted her kit onto her back. With one last glance at the pile of battered armor, the knight followed her companions out into a bright, cold morning. Beneath a cloudless sky the color of robin eggs, the three walked through the snowy streets of Stonefall, a layer of frozen crystal crunching beneath their feet. Aveline watched Orin's glass lanterns sway on their hooks as she passed, the lights in each extinguished. Clouds of smoke billowed from a handful of low stone houses, while the shadows within prepared for the day. What will become of the village in your absence? Aveline asked. Eh, I have an idea, Fowlon answered cryptically. When the village's western gate came into view, Aveline and Belle were met by a peculiar sight. A wide grin spread across Fowlon's face as a young girl waved. Orin, the lamplighter, waited beside the enormous doors, a glowing lantern in his hand. And beside him, the tall, broad-shouldered frame of Garvin leaned against the towering walls at his back. When father and son noticed the group's approach, the pair stepped forward to meet them. Hey, glad you could make it, Garvin, Fowlon remarked with playful menace in her voice. Before the scowling man could speak, Fowlon lifted a leather strap from around her neck, from which dangled a silver key. Etched into its grip, was the snarling wolf's head that was her family seal. Her expression solemn, she held the key out to Garvin, whose eyes widened in surprise. What is this? The miner growled. Some kind of joke? No joke. You've wanted me gone for a while, even thought my mother cursed. Well, <laughs> now's your chance to prove you can do a better job. Fowlon laughed. 
pressing the key into Garvin's hand. The Guardian glared at the astonished man's face. Don't disappoint me, she threatened. Stunned to silence, Garvin could only nod in reply. Good. See he does right by the place, won't you, old man? Fowlon laughed again, before patting Orin on the shoulder and stepping toward the gate. Do what you can, the lamplighter said. His eyes were sad, but still a spark of hope brightened his expression. Again, the man raised his shaking hand to his chest in salute, locking eyes with Aveline and straightening his old back as he did. Beside his father, Garvin's demeanor was that of a humbled man, his broken arm and severe grimace at odds with a gaze that revealed unbidden respect for its subject. We will, Aveline replied, her voice resolved and tinged with a hint of courage. The heart is a forge, the knight added. Though her own eyes were solemn, Aveline raised her fist and chin in honor of the wizened survivor and the son in whose hands the fate of Stonefall now rested. A soul is a sword, Orin grinned, life and color returning to his cheeks. Garvin stepped away from the trio and bowed. May the light of Aurora guide your way, he proclaimed as he bent his body and winced. From behind the village's gate, the white fox treaded forward through the freshly fallen snow and set its shining, sapphire eyes on the bowing man. Peering up from under his brow, Garvin opened his eyes even wider in surprise at the sight before him and gasped. <laughs> Don't strain yourself, the fox said, his sarcasm evident in the low, growling chortle that accompanied his remark. Garvin returned his gaze to the dirt beneath his boots and bowed as deep as his arm would allow. Aveline shook her head, Fowlon chuckled, and Belle only grinned in amazement. The fox stepped back from the humans and onto the snow-laden path waiting beyond the walls. Let's go. As the travelers passed through the village's gate, the early morning sun set snow and ice ablaze. In front, the fox stepped lightly through the powder, his soft pads leaving deep footprints despite his efforts at grace. Behind, the Guardian and Healer walked side by side, kicking up great clouds ahead of them. Finally, the knight followed, her boots trudging through the path carved by her friends, pack heavy with her canvas-wrapped greatsword. Belle wet his lips to whistle a melancholy tune. Before long, the notes and refrain of a somber song drifted on the breath of a gentle breeze, accompanied by a chorus of small, chirping sparrows. Smiling at the birds that sat perched on gray, ice-sleeved branches, the healer opened his mouth and began to sing. Charge on, charge on, true Valerian hearts, steady thy sword and haft thy spear. March on, march on, wherever thou art, for slavery death is nothing to fear. When the verse concluded, Belle laughed and Aveline clapped. Belle, that was beautiful. It's been so long since last I had cause for song, the knight said. Belle turned and without breaking his stride, bent low in the exaggerated bow of a seasoned performer. 
Laughing, Fatlon nudged her companion with her shoulder to topple the proud singer into the snow. The young woman giggled with amusement before turning a devious grin toward Aveline. The guardian creeped forward. Uh, what are you doing? The knight demanded, worried she may be next. His name's not Belle, you know. Not really, Fowlon blurted out. Standing up from the pile of snow, Belle groaned. Aveline stared at the healer, waiting to hear more, and the fox stopped walking to turn and listen. With a glance between the three staring at him, Belle looked to the clear sky above and then muttered something under his breath. What was that? Fowlon chided. Luelin, Belle admitted, his face red with shame. My name is Luelin, Elenus. Not exactly a name that will strike fear in the hearts of our enemies. But he's got a voice as clear as a bell. Get it? Fowlon asked Aveline. Before she could turn her smirk back on Belle, a snowball struck her square in the face. Belle released a great booming laugh, amused by the snow-covered scowl that now adorned the Guardian's visage. Eyes flashing, Fowlon drew a small dagger from a sheath on her belt, growled, and pointed the weapon at the healer. Seems we won't need your services after all, Fowlon screamed, then launched herself toward her prey. With a yelp, Belle sprang through the snow, his long legs making headway at double the speed of his short adversary and in a moment, the two had sprinted past the fox and disappeared over a hill. Aveline smiled after her friends as the fox closed his eyes and shook his head in dismay. I wonder, do you have a name? Aveline asked her vulpine companion. The fox narrowed his keen blue eyes and trotted toward his human charge. He tilted his head as if assessing the knight's intent but found only an earnest expression of curiosity, staring back from amid the folds of the azure cloak. The fox looked at Aveline and nodded. I did, but haven't had use of it for some time, the fox said. His voice was forlorn, as though he was trying to remember something long forgotten. Less than a mile ahead, the entrance to the desolate forest awaited. After a quiet heartbeat and a gentle breeze, the animal's toothy grin widened. Ah, yes, that's right. They once called me Vigil, I think. It's a pleasure, Aveline. Vigil pushed his pointed face and wet nose forward to nudge Aveline in the forehead. Without a thought, the knight raised her hand and ran it through the creature's brilliant white fur. Together, Aveline the knight and Vigil the fox continued on the snow-covered road to the west. A Night Adrift is written, narrated, and produced by Devin McKernan. Original music is provided courtesy of Kai Engel, Chris Sabrisky, and guest musician Andrea Kari. Song lyrics written and contributed by Mauricio Juan. Want to hear more? Visit anightadrift.com to join Aveline's journey, follow us on social media, 
and be notified of new episodes, art, and stories. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Support the show with a donation at patreon.com slash a night adrift. Thanks for listening. <laughs>